This longtime uh, partnership between WCCO Radio and the Star Tribune editorial board continues. We call it Plain Politics. Star Tribune represented today by John Rash and DJ Tice, both on the Center Point Energy Home Service Plus Hotline. Gentlemen, pleasure as always. John, the president has talked about the Supreme Court over and over and over again, that at some point they would be there. They would uh, show the country they realized that the election was stolen, rigged election, and Pennsylvania would be a primary example. Yesterday, 9-0 defeat for the president. One sentence, no dissent, no elaboration, What does this do to the president and his endless quest to find fraud when there is no widespread fraud? It's one more clear legal and political setback that most objective observers clearly will realize is going reflects that the president's complaints are going nowhere. His committed supporters conversely continue to believe including many in Congress who are complicit in the many falsehoods that have been stated, that he is going to remain president past January 20th, 2021. And you mentioned in your question that the president wanted to continue to talk about the Supreme Court. It is quite clear the Supreme Court doesn't want to talk about the president or his election. The unanimity of the decision not to review this case was quite striking because of course, three of the justices were appointed by President Trump. Several others have been sympathetic on many of the cases that his administration has weighed in upon throughout his administration. And now we have this lawsuit from, yes. and this is in a way hard to follow because it's so audacious, the Correct. Attorney General of Texas weighing right. in to try to overturn the results in Georgia, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin and Michigan. So not even his state that he's attorney general for trying to throw it out. If successful, that would tilt the election towards President Trump. It is highly unlikely not only that they would be successful, but that the Supreme Court would take this case up. But this is much more about the president's legacy, his politics, his ability to raise money and be a relevant figure, if not a presidential candidate in 2024 than it is about the actual merits of the 2020 election. Doug, I'll turn to you on that one. Yeah, and you can certainly chime in on Pennsylvania also. But, I mean, this is, I guess, go big or go home, that the Texas Attorney General, Ken Paxson, as as John just said, wants Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, their results thrown out. Yeah, well, Conveniently, uh, doesn't mention his own state because the president won the state of Texas. Right, of course. Uh, You know, these are obviously audacious uh, claims and uh, and extraordinary uh, requests uh, for relief. I don't think it's particularly surprising that uh, the you know Supreme Court has got its ten foot pole out and is 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 going to stay away from this. uh, and I think it, you know it should reassure the country that you know as as traumatic and distressing as it is in in some respects the uh, the process is working uh, the courts uh, at state level at federal level Republican appointees Democratic appointees, 
have have all you know heard the evidence such as it is, and uh, you know have pretty consistently and without great difficulty uh, swept these aside. And that goes for the Supreme Court too. Frankly, it, it occurs to me that. You know, we're suffering somewhat from the overheated rhetoric on all sides that we've had for so many years. I mean, I, I, you know, John mentions the objective observers. I don't know if there are any objective observers uh, out there, but uh, what is certainly true is we've now got the Supreme Court dispensing with this no fuss, no muss. But the trouble is that so many uh, critics on the left have long since proclaimed the Supreme Court to be a pack of lapdogs, you know, without any credibility and or any integrity. They've said the same thing, of course, about Attorney General William Barr, who a couple of weeks ago also came forward and said they've looked at things and they can't find any widespread fraud. But he, of course, has also been uh, proclaimed to be a man of no integrity. So it gets very confusing for people, I think, to have uh, people who have have denounced these voices of authority uh, very recently now try to invoke them as, well, here's proof, because after all, the Supreme Court, uh, you know, doesn't buy it. Uh, and, and I think that we're the, the, the country has just tied itself in knots uh, with so, overheated and overpolarized right. rhetoric for years now. Yeah, uh, just great points. Let, let's talk about the pardon situation. Uh, Mike Flynn pardon, uh, Roger Stone pardon, a lot of questions on what might happen where the president might pardon himself. Now I'm seeing the latest, Doug, that people are speculating that president would step down a day or two before uh, Mike Pence would take over and Pence would pardon him. We can't predict the future. But how big of a story do both of you think the pardon topic might be over the next four weeks or so? Well, I think depending on what uh, on what Trump decides to do, it's a, it's a huge story. It certainly was. I mean, the precedent for this kind of a pardon, of course, would have been the Nixon uh, pardon given by uh, his successor, uh, Gerald Ford. And, you know, that became a, a, a consuming story and probably sealed uh, Gerald Ford's fate. Uh, who was ousted, you know, from the White House two years later in what turned out to be a pretty close election, but certainly the pardon uh, was an important uh, issue at that time. So, yes, whether he can pardon himself or would do such a thing, uh, you know, I've kind of wondered whether uh, Biden, if Trump doesn't pardon himself, whether Biden ought to pardon him and put all this nonsense behind us, uh, as well as, of course, to pardon some is to say you think they're guilty and they need to be pardoned for something. So, you know, I, I, I think it could go a lot of different directions, but there is no uh, there is no predicting. I wouldn't be a bit surprised, though, if some of uh, Trump's loyal cronies uh, get the nod from him. Yeah. He's been uh, pretty consistent about, you know, rewarding people who have uh, uh, who have done his bidding. John, for the story, Joe Biden early pardoning Donald Trump would be an an amazing story for all of us to talk about. But for the left in his party, who is skeptical, they are skeptical. They're like, he's a center left guy. He's not going to embrace him. Our ideas, and most of them detest 
Donald Trump. I think he would get such a ferocious backlash from that part of his party. I just don't see any scenario where that happens. Well, you're probably right, particularly if he did it in the same way as D.J. rightly pointed out, President Ford did for former President Nixon. And I think it's important to remember that when President Ford did that, it was for potential crimes in which he may have to face uh, some kind of legal action. And for a President Biden to do that for a then former President Trump would be one thing if the president indeed does come up against formal charges on a federal level. That would be another thing for him to consider. As we've discussed before, many of the uh, compelling cases that are out there right now are with the state of New York as opposed to federal level charges and the pardon um, wouldn't necessarily transfer over to anything that he had been charged with in New York. So my sense is, you know, Vice President Biden is a relatively cautious sort. And so he probably would wait to see what develops legally if and to the degree that he had to react, react to it and to the degree that he thought that it might bring healing or some kind of closure to the nation, which is the justification that President Ford had all the way back in the mid-70s when he pardoned President Nixon. I think that regarding how big of a story this is, a very significant story if he pardons his adult children as well as Jared Kushner. But I think it's important to note, as we did last week, he wouldn't necessarily be targeting one of his other adult daughters, Tiffany. So then there's a suggestion that there have been actual crimes that have been committed um, in terms of the three whom he does pardon from, uh, you know, if if he were to go forward with that. It becomes an all-consuming story if he tries to pardon himself because it's so unprecedented for a president to even consider that, let alone the fact that it's legally dubious in many observers' opinions and might in itself need some adjudication whether a president can actually do that. We're a long way from there, but we're actually not that long of a way from when he would have to make a decision because, of course, he will be leaving office on January 20th, 2021. So let's pause here, come back. I want to talk about uh, a battle that might be brewing here that has been going on for a while, but uh, Jacob Fry potentially with a veto of what might happen with the city council. That's moments away with John and DJ. Veto. City council will have a vote tonight. Expected to pass. The question is, what will be the vote? And is it veto-proof? This, of course, is diverting nearly $8 million Uh, From the typical way a police budget works out, it would also make the department come back to the council and release $11 million for police recruiting classes and overtime, and it would reduce the number of officers starting 2022. Tomorrow, 235, Jacob Fry is on this show to react. Where are we headed, John, on this battle where all of a sudden Jacob Fry, who is a proud liberal, is being positioned a very different way by many members of the city council. Indeed, it shows how significantly shifted the entire politics of the city has become in just a relatively short time. And yet, certainly I don't think it's antithetical to Mayor Fry's liberalism to say that we need protection for the people in this city and the people who come visiting this city. And, you know, he came in um, and was foursquare behind the police chief's desire and stated need and proven data-driven you know, analysis 
on why they needed more officers, and we look at the crime statistics that have happened this year in 2020, and they're staggering for the poor residents in many of these neighborhoods who are undergoing uh, such a terrible time regarding the surge in crime and the many people around the metro area and Minnesota who are staying away from the city in Minneapolis. And it really struck me that Council President Lisa Bender has reported in our paper, said in a statement, that a veto quote would be so destructive to the city and our residents that it is, it is difficult to take the threat seriously, end quote. And what isn't said right there is the extraordinary destruction of the crime itself and the way that people perceive the city and Minneapolis depends so much on the metro area, people coming in to visit, to stay, to conduct commerce, to be willing to locate downtown. This really challenges all those assumptions. How about you, Doug? Well, I do think uh, it's, a, it's a moment of decision for Minneapolis. Uh, they're heading into a election year next year, too. And, you know, the people of Minneapolis are needing, they're going to need to decide what direction they want to go on this. This is a, uh, you know, is a major grab of power by the uh, city council really taking over uh, a good portion of the management decision making for the police department and, and you know, moving to the role of a mayor in a very weak mayor system. So it, uh, you know, it potentially has broader implications even than this. Uh, I don't know what to think about Fry's veto threat. I'm not good enough at counting votes on the city council to know whether they have the nine votes they would need uh, to override a veto. They had 11 votes for the budget the other day, but... Mm -hmm. uh, uh, sometimes you don't get all those same votes uh, when it comes to uh, overriding a, an executive's veto. Uh, so it's it's hard to say, but it certainly seems possible that his veto uh, his veto would not stand. Uh, if it does, then the city would in fact lose the uh, tax increase that is included in this budget, uh, and it would mean very severe across-the-board uh, budget cuts for the city. Uh, but on the other hand, this police issue is the only sticking point, and presumably in a few weeks, those kinds of incentives, they could work something out. So it's it's quite a drama. Um, Fry has got himself in uh, in quite a position, and it, it does certainly Doug, I got a it. stage for a exciting I, election year. Yep. We're just up against clock. i got to jump in. Excellent info as always.